0: It's good to be back in the black country again. Uh, The first time I ever came here, uh, I I made the mistake of saying, uh, it's good to be back in Birmingham again. And somebody came up and said to me, you almost in the black country? (laughs) That was Leon, actually. (laughs) So I've never made that mistake again. I love accents. I've uh, got a little, I think, uh, actually, you showed it. my little grandchildren, two of them, come from Cambridge, and they're quite posh. And uh, Charlie's seven. But when he was five, he, he came in one day and he said, he said Mommy, I, I've, I've heard God speak to me for the first time. And she said, well, what did he say? He said, well, I was singing my hymns of praise while bouncing on the trampoline. And the Lord spoke to me. She said, well, what did he say? And he said, he said, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I mean, the first thing God ever says to you is well done. It's pretty good, isn't it? Or as American parlance, way to go. Bravo. Incredible. Uh, I'm going I'm to talk to you uh, this morning, just set the first session uh, on the subject of uh, courage and confusion, I call it. Let me set a little bit of a context. Uh, I've been uh, doing what I've been doing. Uh, we started a little house church in 81, and uh, I got baptized in the Spirit, uh, and life was never the same again. Um, we, I, began to, I, I went to John Wimber, conference, some of you have never heard of him, but uh, he was preaching something called the kingdom of God. And that was, I kind of really began to think about that, read several books about it. Probably the best one was George Eldon Ladd on the kingdom of God. It, he was a professor in Fuller Seminary in California in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And uh, it began to talk about the, the kingdom of God, which, of course, up to that point in my life, I thought the kingdom of God is something which will come someday. And we began to realize that the kingdom of God had come, but it was now and not yet. Okay? So we, we live we live in somewhat of the good of the kingdom as we live under the reign of the king on earth, but the not yet was future and still to come. And, and of course, we, we began to believe that what we did was that we would, by faith, take big handfuls of the future kingdom and drag it into the present. So we, we began to do that, and we, we prayed for the sick. We, we did all this, so we got really excited about it. It was fantastic, and, and we, we started that church in 81, and uh, uh, we, we bought a new building in 85. There were 75 of us. We paid 520000 Interest rates were 17%. It's quite staggering, actually. And uh, most of us, uh, I was in my 30s, Priscilla, uh, when most of us were in, our, were in our 20s. And a long way to, to sort of get the context, but. Uh, and we were on the crest of a wave. We had bought this building. It was incredible. God was moving. It was fantastic. And then Bill, one of our young men, 28, got cancer. And uh, it was cancer of the esophagus. Uh, he'd just been married a few months. And uh, of course, as a, as a church, we're discovering about the kingdom of God. We we had prayer meetings, we fasted, we prayed, we bound it out, we bound it, we loosed it, we cast it in, we cast it out, we did everything that we knew how to do. And uh, just before, uh, probably um, after a few months, two of the young men came to me out of the church and said, we believe Bill's going to be healed. I said, well, that's fantastic. They said, and the way he's going to be healed is that you have to say, declare publicly that he's going to be healed. And I said, well, there's only two things wrong with that. Uh, number one, God hasn't said it to me. And number two, um, somehow I have to prepare the church for Bill's death if that happens. Now, what happened was, you probably guessed this, Bill passed away. He'd been married 11 months. And I suppose we, we call this, we're calling this uh, you're Building Bigger People, the I Grow Conference. And suddenly as a church, we had to grow up. And we had to realize some really difficult things that we hadn't really considered before. They were always around us, but we conveniently ignored them. And I felt the Lord, you know, one of those moments when I I felt the Lord say, not these exact words, but it was speaking to people's Mondays, not just their Sundays. Let me read to you Matthew chapter eleven, well known verses. Jesus said, uh twenty-eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The the yoke of a rabbit, Jesus was a traveling teacher. And the yoke of the rabbi was the body of truth that he communicated. So there were, certain, there were many traveling rabbis who went about the country. The thing that was startling about Jesus was, was twofold. They'd never heard anything like it. He preached with authority. And of course, he performed signs and wonders. Uh, but, he, but it's interesting, he describes his yoke as easy and his burden light. And I realized that, that in this tension of living in the now and the not yet, I had to make I had to speak into people's Mondays and bring this yoke, make a yoke for their back that was not difficult, but actually we could live in the tension of living in the now and the not yet, and I discovered these things. So I'm going to share them with you for the next 25 minutes or so. The first thing, very simply, was I called it miracle confusion. I, I honestly, I, I suppose I came to the point where I thought we've incorrectly boxed God. Now, honestly, I want to see more healing. I had a, I've had the most incredible dynamic healing of my heart two years ago. So, you know, I'm totally committed to praying for the sick and seeing God move in what I call slam dunk miracles, okay? I really want to say that. But if we narrow down the workings of God to a God who either does slam dunk miracles or does nothing else, then I think we fail to see how God really works in life. You say, well, why doesn't God do more of the dramatic stuff when he can? Has the power to do it and we want him to. I don't know. Because what I discovered is this, that miracles are happening all the time and all around us, but we just don't see them. I, I think the miracle generally comes through people. When we raised that money, I, I kid you not, seriously, we, we, we didn't know how we were going to do it, but we felt we needed to get this money and build us. So, in the end of the day, a number of us remortgaged our houses and put the money into it. We sold our children's kidneys, which is a, it's not a great thing to do. Because <laughs> you can't get that back again. Which, you, know, but you can live in one kidney. It's not a problem. And, uh, and, we, and, we, and we raised the money. We raised the money, and we, pay. we never missed a payment. We went right through it. And, you know, the, the time that when we were, we were just a few of us and we're trying to raise all this money, we suddenly, we, we'd, we'd been to India. Leon's gone to the same place. And uh, we raised 35,000 pounds to build an orphanage, which is there to this day. You know, we did, What's an incredible thing. What, what's, a t- what's a tougher miracle that God can do? The transformation of a heart, a human heart, or a slam dunk direct miracle of provision. You see, there are no money trees. You know, the the money does not, there isn't a tree that brings you money. God changes somebody's heart and they give the money to something. That's how this building came to be what it is today. And actually, honestly, the same is true of healing. I I have hundreds of testimonies of people who despite the absence of a creative miracle have found themselves in the hands of a particular surgeon and his skills saved the day. Now, all without a slam dunk miracle, but all displaying the hand of God who both created the universe and heals cancers. So I had to begin to say to people, look, guys, you know, if that's, if God, if we say that miracle is just this, and it is, and miracles are those incredible slam dunk ones where you go, this is amazing. I said, open your eyes and see the miracles that God is doing around you. See a human heart in the, in the place that you work or your friends being changed bit by bit. It's God at work in their lives. I think miracles are happening all of the time. They're just not as obvious unless you've got eyes to see them. And so I believe that God wants us to live every day in a supernatural process that embraces all kind of ordinary things that are actually supernatural in nature and in impact. Open your eyes, folks. God's doing a miracle in this place. People are coming to Christ. You know, you're the hand of God bringing God's grace to this city. It's how God works. I had to speak into their Monday. Don't just look for the slam dunk, look for the positional miracles that God's doing all the time. Number, number, number two, um, and it's a, it's a strange one, but I had to do it. I called it a trouble free life confusion. Prosperity is a strange animal. Isn't that, you know, the way I explain prosperity is that uh, there's a, uh, God wants to bless you in order for you to be a blessing. Enough to meet your own needs and enough left over to touch the life of the world and meet the needs of other people. But there is a school of thought that says, God wants to bless you means that nothing difficult or unpleasant will ever happen to you. Now, having had a young man who just died of cancer, that one was blown out of the water. The problem with our type of churches is you've got to pray for the sick and bury the dead. When C.S. Lewis, his wife, was going through cancer, let me read to you what he said. He said, we are not necessarily doubting God will do the best for us. We're just wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. It's very profound because sometimes we think it's going to be one particular thing, but God wants it to another, uh, uh, the other. Actually, God can sometimes send you into a land where you, there's a, a desert land where the riches are generally unseen, but in going through them, you create God creates a, an inner prosperity of heart and mind. And what I've discovered is that God will stop at nothing to get your attention and to get you to change direction. God can often send a storm, And the problem is that when you're in continual material and physical prosperity... And God suddenly turns something something wrong. It completely throws your world out of date. Speaking to your Monday, you will go out on Monday, and many of you will face things that none of us know anything about. You'll face situations in your work. You'll face relatives. You'll be you'll be alongside your family, and you'll go. This is not trouble. This is not a trouble-free life. We cannot live in a world of no bruises, no hard knocks, no immense difficulties, no rebukes, no corrections, no mistakes, and no tensions. We don't live in that world. And somehow we've got to equip people to live in that, to live in that world of hard knocks. The problem is, and this is, this is, I had to catch myself on, because I saw that sometimes the preacher can be tempted by pragmatism. And we want to solve the problems of the people around us. So we preach a gospel, not of grace, but of morality. And honestly, in our church, some people came along because they they got great help with their children. They got great help with their marriage. Their finances began to be sorted out and they brought their their friends back again. The problem is this, without a painstaking work of establishing a changed worldview, some people's commitment to Christianity will only be as deep as their commitment to any other helpful product. And when that product stops being helpful, they'll dump it. Allegiance to something that makes your life easier to manage shouldn't be confused with genuine conversion. What is that? It's surrender to the God of the universe, Jesus Christ the Lord. And so we lived in that incredible tension. We can be we must be careful when we're talking to people because we can say morality works, but, but only because it works in the long term. Did you understand? So what do you mean? Well, you see, if you decide to follow Christ, it, it, you, may, you may eventually not get promoted in your job because of the things that you say and, and your integrity. If you're a single person and you want to, you want to remain, you know, uh, ready for marriage and, and uh, you know, without having sex, that may cause you to be single for a long time. And so the morality of God works in the long term in terms of eternity. But the reality is, that we've we've gotta preach against the self-serving pragmatism of post-modernity. The gospel does say that that if you find your, uh, does, does say that through it, the gospel, you find your life, but first you must lose your life. And so I began to say to people, Christ will work for you. That's true, but the reality is if you're true to him, whether he works for you or not, that'll determine the reality of your faith. And so we began to grow up. It's a really difficult choice sometimes, but we discovered that to become a, a Christian is not to get help for your agenda, but to take on a whole new agenda. What is that? The will of God. You obey him because you owe him your life. He is your creator. We began to grow up pretty quickly. In 1999, I had a, I, I, I had a, something called dengue fever. I've told the story before, but most of you won't remember it's a daytime malaria, and it really knocked me for six. And uh, it was a, a year, the worst, probably the worst year of my life. And uh, I, I'm a like Leon, I'm a big football fan and season ticket holder at Linfield at home. And I, I went, finally went back. And one of the downsides of dengue is that not only not only do you have a physical illness for a while, six weeks, high temperatures, vomiting, etc., that uh, it, it leads, it can lead to depression. So I went back to, and I, and I had probably, as I say, I fell off the edge of a cliff. And I went, went back to football, and uh, the guys around me, they're, they're not Christians, and we know each other for years. And they uh, said, you heard you had not been well, Paul. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I've been a bit depressed. And honestly, it was like, oh, I did not know what to say. But two weeks later, at the next home game, they came and said to me, Paul, could we talk to you? I said, sure. They said, you know, when you said you were depressed, we thought if you can be depressed and be a Christian, maybe we could be Christians. I thought, it's pretty, it's pretty profound, isn't it? You know, and I thought, I thought here's me, you know, in my, in my victory and, and all the rest. It's but there's an incredibly broken world out there who identify with a broken church. Now we're on the road to somewhere. Please don't get me wrong. You know, I want to. I want to be. You know, I want to be the, the hospital to the A team. That, we're, we're on that journey. But nonetheless, there's a broken world who identify with us in our brokenness, and so we began to talk about people, or two people, uh, about that. Uh, number three, and, and I quickly hurry on, is a uh, event. I had to change the mindset from event-based Christianity uh, versus process-based Christianity. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, well, and it is the feature of our church is that we've always, we're always looking for a breakthrough. Isn't that right? Always want a breakthrough. But, and, and people say, well, you know, your life could be changed today. That's true. But a moment changes a life. Well, no, actually, it can lead to a life being changed. You see, there's an old, I don't know if you've heard it before, but a crisis without a process becomes an abscess. You ever heard that one? A crisis without a process becomes an after. So something dramatic happens in your life. You expect it to change, but you never put a process in. And you look back on the crisis and go, "That was there was something wrong with that. There was, that nothing ever happened. You begin to despise what actually happened. Because if there's no process to follow on, you lose the benefit of an event. And it shows that nothing really happened. I, you know, I, what I find is this, that, Everybody's looking for a breakthrough. And you may be today. And actually, you know, I still believe in breakthroughs. But if you don't put a process after a breakthrough, you'll lose the good of what you already had. I mean, I, I first discovered when Phil and I started to do counseling. And, and uh, we did uh, we, marriage counseling. And the first couple ever, ever came to our house, Philip would verify this. We sat down. The first week was really good. We talked about what we were going to do. And we set them some things to do the next week. And they come back the next week. And uh, after about 10 minutes, I said, uh, you know something, I fasted and prayed for your marriage this week. And I said, when you, you haven't done anything. I said, when you get serious about it, you come back and see me and I put them out of the house. Well, I, I, sorry, I opened the door and let them walk out. You know, I didn't <laughs> kick them, put them out or anything. I didn't really. Now, actually, that couple are doing really well. Why was that? Because they're looking for a breakthrough. But they needed to put a process in place. And the problem was that I was more desperate than they were uh, and they were looking for a miracle solution. See, I, I, you might have, a, you might have a, a debt problem and say, I need a breakthrough. Well, okay, I, I will, I will, there's no question. I will pray for you for that. But, but you know, if, if I was in your life, what I'd do is I'd say, bring me a sheet tomorrow with all your, your income and your outgoings. Yeah, Hello. Come on. And we had to do that because we were always looking for a, an incredible uh, instant success, and the spirit of the age barely tolerates uh, slow-moving progress. Most things don't happen in a day, but actually happen by what you do every day. Events can help you make a decision, but only a process will lead to a changed life. To keep the value of an event, start a process. John 6, the man at the pool of Bethesda, he he said he'd been waiting for 38 years, and he eventually got his, his event the stirring of the waters. But it's interesting what Jesus says at the second meeting. And to to put it in modern parlance, he says, see, you're well again. Now stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In other words, unless you follow through after your miraculous event with a new lifestyle and a new process, you may lose the benefit of the event. I don't know if you're looking for a breakthrough today. And if you get a breakthrough, fantastic. But please... Put a process in place. Yeah. It's going to follow up and get the very best out of the event that you've had, whatever that might look like. The other one that I had to do is two more, but I'm going to do. I'm just going to do uh, one of them uh, for time's sake, and it is. Um, I call it um, disintegrated anticipation confusion. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> you don't know what that is, do you? Don't you? <laughs> well, I'm just about to tell you. It, it, it is a, you got, somebody, somebody actually made that up for me out of our church, and they said this here, that we're, we live in this sense of we're, we're always anticipating something happen, happening that's coming up ahead, but it's not currently integrated into anything that we're doing. So the move of God is coming, uh, but it's going to come from outside, and it won't embrace or, or, or be through the vehicle of what we're currently doing. It's disintegrated anticipation. And so what, what you, you find, you, you, there's things that you say. See, m- many churches don't have any confidence about what God's actually doing in their church. You don't feel anointed. You feel your failings and you feel your inadequacies. Hey, I'm with you. And there's something in us that reaches out for water beyond the river that God's put us in instead of drawing from the river of God that flows from within a local church. And actually, I think it's more, people say to me, when do you think God's gonna move? You know something? I think God's on the move all the time. I think it's more about a move of people than a move of God. But it doesn't shock you. I think if people moved the way they should, something would definitely be happening. You see, when people say to me, when's revival coming? I go, it's here because I'm in revival. You see, I I know it looks different from the the years that have gone by, but the only time I'm not in revival and the church isn't in revival, it's when we've checked out and entered into a time of sin and striving. Get up every day and say, Lord, anoint me afresh and allow God to move within you. It's a move of God. When you attach a move of God to a collection of dramatic healings is to detach it from a daily collection of more subtle movings, yet so profound. I, I think there's something within us that's kind of looking for something beyond the local church. Listen, this is it. Oh, God, help us, you say. <laughs> it's about a bit of move of people. There's nothing coming along that's going to change your life. You say, oh, that, that's terrible. No, put a process in today. Begin to deal on a daily basis. Do something. It's going to change your life, and you will be a bigger person. I, I got up recently, and uh, you know, I, I, I just pray, Lord. You know, if I if I meet somebody today, can I appropriately share something, or you know, whatever, just to connect with their lives? So I was getting my hair cut. Don't laugh. And uh, and I, I was really. And my hairdresser's called Donna, and she she, she was crying. She had a pain in her shoulder. And I felt, you know, one of those promptings of the Holy Spirit, pray for her. Whereupon I went, is that a lying spirit or the Holy Spirit? Pray for her, don't did I, I didn't really want to. Uh, and so I did a little fleece. I said, look, Lord, if at all, if there's nobody in the shop when I'm going to pay, I'll know it's your will for me to pray for her. Yeah, you got it. There was nobody there. So uh, just her assistant. And so I said, Donna, can I pray for you? And she said, um, Oh, she got a bit nervous. She said, oh, oh uh, uh, say a little prayer for me sometime. I said, no, no, I'll pray for you now. And her assistant shouted out, you've tried everything else. Why don't you try prayer? So I, I stood I stood, and, and, you know, because she's not a Christian. She doesn't know to put her hands out. There's nobody playing keyboards in the back, you know. I mean, it's very awkward. I, I, it would be really helpful if it had a keyboard player who went with you everywhere. To share, and you said, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. And I And they start playing. And, uh, and so she's just standing looking at me, staring at me, you know, just with her eyes open. So I said, could I touch your, I touch your shoulder? She said, yeah. I just put my hand on her shoulder. And I've one of those, you know, you just get those moments, and I just said to her, Donna, because I've heard her life story many times, and I said, Donna, you're, you think that all the things that happen in your life is because you've done wrong and God's mad and he's getting even? I said, but he's not disillusioned with you because he no illusions to begin with. I said, actually... God loves you. It's a thing that you don't know is how incredible. And of course, as I began to, just to talk to her, you know, I'm telling her, she starts to sob and break down and cry. And then she swore and said, you've made me cry, Yep. so and so. It was a, it was a precious moment. It was a really precious moment. <clears throat> now, I'd like to tell you, I'd like to tell you that, um, you know, she got down on her knees and accepted Jesus. She didn't, but you know something? It started a conversation with us. There's a, there's a connection there in on a, on a, telling the a story and taking her on a journey. Something very powerful is happening. And the, 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 problem, the problem is that I find that a lot of Christians have made such a gulf between the move of God and what they're actually doing is because somehow they don't feel worthy. And honestly, we need, to, we need to stand up and say, we are the people of God. I am who you say I am, Okay. Sometimes we've got to value what God is doing in our midst and we've got to say we're going to take responsibility for it. As I, as I close out now, I'm ready to, ready to finish. Um, I have a, a couple more points, but um, I'll, not, I'll do them some other time, okay? Um, I, I, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a heavy one to start a session. You're supposed to start it with a, you know, let, let's all do it. But if we're going to grow up, and it's the twenty-first century. We've got to see that miracles are happening all around us. That we can't have a trouble-free life. That we we don't we don't live in a world uh, of disintegrated anticipation. The move of God is happening in this place. The move of God's happening in your local church. It's about a move of people, not necessarily a move of God. And and honestly, we've got to put put things in place and we're going to change things. There's There's an incredible, incredible power of having an event in your life, but the event has to lead on to something happening or what you do every day or you will ultimately despise the event. And finally, this whole thing of God moving, God doing something in our midst, I'm I'm absolutely convinced that if we're going to grow up and be mature Christians, sometimes we live, remember, in the now and the not yet. We, We desperately long for more of the not yet, don't we? But we live in Monday morning, the now, and that's where we are. And we've got to find God, communicate Christ to men and women in that arena. Otherwise, our gospel becomes unattainable to the most of the church. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna take, uh, Leon, are you gonna come up and then, okay, and give instructions. Father, we wanna thank you, uh, Lord, that you're always in the business of bringing your people and your children to maturity. Uh, Father, that challenges some of the things that we often hold uh, really dear and we we really feel precious about. But Father, we pray that this weekend will be about growing bigger people. Lord, as we're exposed, Lord, to uh, the word of God today, Lord, hearing you speak to us through the prophetic word, Lord, hearing about how we can touch the lives, change the lives of men and women and young people across this land, that we will be a people, Father, who'll stand up and say, Lord, there's a move of God going on and it begins here. In Jesus' name, amen.